Welcome to the Strength Empire podcast, where we will cover all things strength sports, whether it's powerlifting, weightlifting, strongman, or the Highland Games. Before we begin, please make sure to follow us on social media, at Strength Empire Podcast and at Strength Empire Gym. Also, if you'd like more information from us, you can find it at strengthempiregym.com, as well as checking out the Strength Empire TV YouTube page for footage on training, throwing, nutrition, and meal prep, and technique breakdown, etc. The last thing I'd like to ask you to do is to make sure you leave a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform when you finish this episode, and if you could share it with your friends, that'd be awesome as well. So I hope you enjoy Season 1, Episode 5 with Preston Turner. Welcome back to another episode of the Strength Empire podcast. We're going to continue season one tonight talking with Preston Turner. So Preston, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's it's really great to be a part of this. Awesome, man. Well, uh, I kind of gave Preston, and as I've done every guest so far, and I've kind of explained this with every episode, I sent him a message saying, hey, I'm doing this in a seasonal format, and my first season is crossover strength athletes. And really, I found you through social media, and I followed you for Gosh, it's probably been at least a year and a half now I've been following you, and I was like, I've got to, once I started this, talk to this guy and ask them. Really, I'm sure you get this question a lot, is what made you switch from being a successful powerlifter to a weightlifter? So before we kind of dive into that, I want to kind of dig into how did you get your start in strength sports or powerlifting specifically? Is that where you started, yeah, so- I guess? I have, to, I have to start with that. Yeah, yeah. So I started with powerlifting. Uh, so I'm from Texas. And um, in Texas, powerlifting is a uh, varsity strength or varsity sport at the high schools. Mm-hmm. And um, I've kind of always had a fascination with, you know, with being strong and with getting strong and and, uh, you know, jacked up physiques and whatnot since I was really young. And I remember being like in middle school and seeing in the newspaper, you know, write ups about local high school powerlifters. And I knew I wanted to do that. And I was kind of, I guess, predisposed to be good at lifting weights. Uh, from a very early age, from the first time I kind of started touching a barbell in uh, in middle school football, so I started doing powerlifting um, freshman year of high school, and you know was on the varsity team at the high school and had the biggest bench of the high school. My freshman year, I'd done like a 315 pound bench or a three plate bench, mm-hmm. and uh, competed all through there. Was state champion, and um, you know, then from there, since my senior year of high school is when I got uh, the start to the the international scene on the USA Powerlifting and the International Powerlifting Federation. Awesome, man. So talk to me about that transition. Did you, and I, I'm not 100% sure how that international, you know, top national, international level worked. Were you in the junior category, I'm assuming, and, and or where would you, where did your success lead at that point? Like, I know, obviously, I saw Instagram where you, where you went, but kind of talk, talk me through that career and how long were you doing that for? Yeah, so altogether, um, I, I uh, competed competitively uh, in powerlifting for 10 years. Okay. Um, starting, and that's, of course, since I was a freshman in high school, but re- it really went to the next level. So there's a, just a high school federation in Texas. Um, it's massive, you know, yeah. thousands and thousands of young lifters. And um, anyway, I got approached uh, at my, my senior year at the state meet. Um, I had done a 550-pound bench press. Um, this was equipped. Okay. And uh, I had a uh, somebody come up to me I'd never seen. He said, do you realize you just did more than the world record? And I was like, I had no clue. And he gave me a flyer. <laughs> and he said, come to Palm Springs, California, and let's get you on the USA national team. And that was my start to USA powerlifting. And uh, since then, you know, I competed in the Czech Republic um, in 2010, right out of high school. Uh, and that was a sub-junior category to answer that part okay. of your question. Um, and so I won the world championship there and, and set a number of world records. And then from there, went into the junior world champion, uh, the, the junior division. Mm-hmm. And um, I competed there for the next uh, four years and was able to, you know, travel the world, go to a lot of different countries and uh, win some world championships and some world titles for Team USA as a team and uh, set some records along the way. Awesome, man. Now, was that always as a junior, or did you make it into a senior national level or international senior team level? Um, I did make it onto the uh, senior national team level, um, but I had to back out of my first senior national team due to like a uh, partial rotator cuff tear. Oh, man. Yeah, in the middle of training. And um, so I kind of had to back out of there, but uh, was able to compete both equipped and raw um, as a senior 
at the senior level and set senior world records and such. Okay. So what were your best competition lifts at, you know, I guess I wouldn't say at the time you finished, but what were your best competition lifts in competition? Yeah. So, um, in equipped, um, I believe if we're talking pounds, it would mm-hmm. be a, uh, 871 squat, a, uh, 733 bench and a 722 deadlift. Damn. Hell of a, hell of a put together. What body weight were you at at that point? Uh, this was competing at uh, 120 kilos or awesome. 264 pounds. Damn, there's some solid ass numbers. Of course, that would be Thank world you. level numbers, man. That's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I honestly did not realize they were that high for you. Um, yeah. In those, so I, I don't mean any disrespect by that. I just honestly had no idea. Um, yeah, no, no, no worries. And then, uh, in terms of raw, mm-hmm. then uh, my best uh, raw squat was uh, 750. And my best raw bench um, in competition was, I believe, 740-ish. I mean, sorry, 540-ish. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Uh, and then um, deadlift was uh, 689. Okay. Um, so I actually really love I, – I didn't know you had an equipped lifting background. So uh, short story kind of to give you an example for myself and kind of where I'm going to lead some of these questions from. When I got into the sport of powerlifting, I did like – one raw meat and then got thrown into full multiply powerlifting gear in like 2008, nine, um, the group I trained with, that's what they did. So it was one of those, like, all right, I'm doing it. I'm getting in it and, you know, borrowed gear and and this, that, and the other. Uh, so I completely understand what you mean by those numbers. A lot of people don't know what geared powerlifting is, uh, which is something I'm going to try to delve into a little bit more in the show. And obviously it's obviously where supportive equipment to perform the lifts. What I want to talk about, though, is training. What did your training – did you start in gear at a younger age? Was high school just raw or equipped at all? I know you mentioned a 550 bench in there. And then how did your training evolve through powerlifting to – did you train in the gear all the time? Or, you know, your raw lifts were very strong compared to your gear lifts relatively. Um, you're a very strong raw squatter, uh, at least I see there. And it's still a very strong raw bench. But, like, do you feel like – the raw strength was something you should have pushed more or the gear. I'm asking a million questions because I'm excited right now, but um, kind of delve into all that training with raw versus gear for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so back when I started in powerlifting, you know, this is 2000, uh, 2004, I mean, sorry, 2005 mm-hmm. um, in high school and the high school lifting is equipped. It is single ply equipped. Yeah. So, uh, and at that time, raw really wasn't a thing. Um, yeah, you're right. E- equipped and especially like in USA power. Well, everything was single ply. And then of course you had multiply. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Texas high school powerlifting is single ply. And I started through there. And of course I feel like it wasn't until, you know, maybe 2011 when raw lifting kind of started. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, I competed equipped the whole time. And in fact, that was kind of like a big culture change in the sport since, you know, I was, I guess there when raw started and equipped was, that's where all the big lifters were. That's yep. where uh, anybody who was anybody was, was competing. And, um, but in terms of, of my training, uh, of course you trained a lot raw, yeah. uh, and you really push those because you can't just expect to put on the gear and, and lift big numbers. You got to be strong without it. Absolutely. Um, and of course that was always my mindset was I wanted to get as strong as possible raw, um, so that I could lift more in the gear. And of course, when training for um, a meet, of course, you did spend time in the gear. Uh, but I took kind of a, at first, kind of like a three to four day approach uh, to training, three or four days a week. Okay. Uh, and it was usually like Mondays being a squat focus, Wednesdays being a bench focus, and Fridays being a deadlift focus. And then Saturday would be kind of a little bit more of like a bodybuilding style approach, just kind of some light stuff, more blood flow type things. Uh, but on those focus days is when you would train in the gear. Yep. Uh, and then the other lifts you would push raw. Okay. Um, so that's kind of what I would do. And of course things evolved over time, but I had some really great mentors and coaches along the way that kind of shaped different things. And I, you know, I spent a lot of time doing like some more Chico type training, which was, uh, you know, high volume, even in the equipment, uh, high frequency, Wow. And okay. Then, That's something uh, I've never, never done and haven't heard a lot of, especially in the equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a coach, David Hammers at the university of Texas where I lifted. Um, and then of course, uh, I met one of my best friends, Ian Bell there and got involved with him mm-hmm. and his dad, of course, is a powerlifting legend. And yep. so I really started to learn from them as well and kind of took, 
And of course, as I learned more and has competed longer, I kind of took stuff from their program and stuff that I found that worked well for me and kind of blended the two. Yeah. Awesome, man. Now let's, uh, I still keep, and actually I got to talk with Travis Mash the other day, which in, he was a, a geared lifter kind of at the start of his career as well. And, uh, it's always fun now. I feel like I've now, it keeps running, run back into it more and more, but let's say now we're digging right now, but what would you say kind of were your go-tos in terms of training? Like what style for myself, I really relied on wearing my shirt a lot and touching a lot in my shirt. Some people are against that. They're like, it stretches it out. Uh, or my squat, I was a big on working up and then doing a lot of reverse band work. So kind of what were your go-tos with training with the different lifts? And then you mentioned kind of a squat day, bench day, deadlift day, and you referenced uh, you know, training the other lifts raw. Were you doing kind of what a lot of people you see doing now or squat, bench, and dead on the same day every week? Or is it like you're dedicated your squat day was specifically for squat. Yeah. So, um, in terms of my style of training, um, uh, I found what worked for me is a high frequency approach. So yeah, I feel like kind of before, not to sound like a complete hipster, but kind of before it was cool to do the, the full squat bench deadlift days. Um, that's kind of some stuff that I was doing where, uh, like I said, the day one would be squat focused. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then I would like do some close grip bench and then like, opposite of my competition deadlift, which would be a conventional deadlift for me because I competed sumo. Mm -hmm. um, and so every day I trained, I benched. So again, there with the high frequency. And I never really uh, uh, did many variations just in terms, if you're you know referring to bands or jeans, uh, I never really messed with that much. Um, I did use boards on the bench mm -hmm. for both building my equipped and raw bench because I found that building the lockout really pushing that lockout strength is what's uh, going to, I guess, uh, help you become the most efficient uh, bencher. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I, I did do board work, but I found a high frequency, higher volume approach with a little bit lower on the intensity. I didn't push the intensities too much. That was something that, that really worked best for me. Okay. Awesome, man. And uh, so in a quick question, have you ever tried to pull conventional in gear and how'd that go for you? I have. Uh, it is. It is not fun. <laughs> okay, uh, good. Same. Same feeling. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I have. Uh, I. I did use. So and I. I kind of had an interesting philosophy um, in terms of training in the gear uh -huh. that I feel like was kind of unique uh, that I didn't hear many people talk about. But it's something that I found that worked really well. But I had a different varieties of gear in terms of, you know, some of the older technology or materials yeah, yeah, yeah. that were, you know, more, much more stretchy. And I did find I could use like an Enzer hardcore suit or something that had some stretch to it, a Z suit and be able to conventional deadlift in that because I did in preparation for, uh, I believe it was the 2014 junior worlds. I had a, uh, a hamstring injury where I couldn't really pull sumo. Uh -huh. And so I trained conventional all the way up to the meet and then pulled sumo in the meet. Uh, but I was able to push my conventional deadlift pretty well. Awesome. And I love like, so one thing I always am trying to do with these episodes is listen into like what you're saying. And I'm kind of like taking notes over here of what are things I can implement, not only to my own training or coaching athletes. And I, I want people, that's what I really want them to take away. And so that's something interesting. I've actually heard multiple times now is training opposite deadlift until the meet. And it's like, people, they think like, I'm going to forget how to do it. And I'm like, if you've done it long enough, you're not going to forget. Um, do you believe in that? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, especially right, knowing weightlifting uh, now that uh, to me, deadlifting is a very simple movement. Yeah. Um, and it's all about just maintaining the right positions. But um, I think as a sumo deadlifter, uh, there can be some really major benefits to training conventional just from like a, a muscular and a strength development standpoint. Not as much uh, the other way around. But I still do believe that, you know, conventional deadlifters can benefit from some sumo deadlifting. But, yeah, I always um, I always kind of pushed it maybe into the last few weeks. Then it was uh, just much more specific, um, kind of like, a, I guess, a general periodization approach where as you're further from the meet, a little less specific. And as you get closer to the meet, you know, really push that specificity. OK, um, you know, and we'll kind of I guess I want to call it wrapping up this powerlifting talk a little bit. But what was. Uh kind of tell me about 
international travel, you know, did you have anything you had to really battle with international travel? What were the hardships? What were the things you really enjoyed? I've traveled once and competed for the Highland Games internationally, which I've I've been pretty much vacationed afterwards, and I cared more about that than the competition. Uh, so, but what what did you kind of take away from international travel? Did you enjoy it? Did you really not like it? Would you do it again? All those kind of questions. Oh, I absolutely loved it. Uh, that was those were some of the best memories of my life, um, and you know I miss that. Uh, I miss competing at that level and being able to represent my country. That was something that was uh, incredibly special to me. But, you know, starting from the first one, right, fresh out of high school, hadn't yeah. been um, out of, you know, it, it was that summer after I graduated and hadn't really been outside of, of the state much uh, and had definitely never been out of the country. So I had, you know, the process of getting a passport. But so if you're talking about, you know, my first world since 2010 and in the Czech Republic, um, you know, I had never been out of the country before. And just me and the rest of the sub junior team and the coaches were out there and it was incredibly special. Uh, such a fun time, especially, you know, being that age. And I learned something new every, every one. I would say one of, you know, I loved it. Didn't really have any challenges. I always competed very well on the international stage. Um, I always very much surpassed uh, the stuff that I was doing in the gym. I was definitely always a meat day lifter. Um, I would say in terms of a challenge, one of the uh, biggest things is I was cutting weight in the 2014 uh, Junior World Championships, which was in uh, Hungary. Oh, yeah. And, we're out in Hungary uh, yeah. that's where I went, actually. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah, so it was in Hungary. Uh, it was in kind of a small, little bit of an isolated uh, town there in Hungary. And oh. uh, I was – yeah, so it was called uh, Orochasa. Okay, so now I was like, man, there's no way this is going to end up being the same. I was in Gyur, which is up – towards Vienna, Austria, actually. And we ended up going into Vienna the day after the competition. But Budapest is what – did you go into Budapest at all? I didn't. Unfortunately, oh, th- this is yeah, this is one thing of, about the international lifting and being uh, the class just below the super heavyweights. Yeah. I always lifted the last day. Oh. Uh, and so I would never really get to enjoy myself outside of – you know, the socializing with the lifters and being around lifting and meeting tons of great people from all all over the world. Um, but anyway, so, so that meet, um, I was cutting weight and, um, of course it was, um, I was competed in the IPF, which is uh, very stringent drug testing protocols. You know, they follow water standards. It's, uh, it's a water governed sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and the day before I lifted, uh, they wanted to blood test me. And this is the first time that I had been blood tested. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of needles and I, I had never even had blood drawn before. And, uh, and like I said, I was cutting weight. So they take me to this, it's kind of like in a middle school gym and, you know, they're speaking Hungarian and I'm just in the back there and they're, I'm just like, well, I hope this is legit. And, you know, they start drawing my blood and I get kind of woozy and uh, couldn't really eat up or anything to kind of, oh man, I guess account for that because I was cutting weight. And so that was something that, you know, was a bit of a challenge mentally, especially the day before I lifted. But, um, you know, lifted fine the next day and, and uh, was able to win the world championship, set, set a couple of world records, and it all ended, all ended well. Awesome, man. That's good to hear. And if you ever have a chance to go back, uh, Hungary, Budapest is a really cool city. Um, it's, it's actually a really big, like, party city, which I'm not a big partier, but it was just a unique, like, lifestyle and, and the way it was around there. We got to kind of go around a little bit, but I, too, was cutting weight, so I didn't get to eat as much as I wanted and whatnot while I was there. And I actually cut weight in a bathhouse there, which was really cool. Also the hottest sauna by three times I've ever been in in my life. Um, funny story, the longest I could stay in with, with how, before I had to go out was 13 minutes before I was like, I'm going to die. Um, Dang. so it, it was kind of a, that was a unique experience as well. Um, but so then let's build to the question of why did you make this switch with so much success to weightlifting? And was it kind of, was that immediate kind of switch over? You like kind of got done with powerlifting and you're kind of like, all right, I'm going to lift now. Or what was that process like in that decision making process? Yeah. So, um, so it's 2017 and, um, I competed at the, uh, Arnold. I think this was probably my fourth or fifth time competing at the Arnold. And, um, I won, I did the, uh, I guess it was the pro-am, mm-hmm. uh, I did it raw. And I won the one the one twenty class, and had a great meet. I think I went uh, nine for nine, and 
you know, had some some PRs. And after that, you know, I just really kind of struggled, I guess, with the change in culture of the sport um, and kind of some things that were happening in the sport. And I was kind of already thinking about taking a break, if not quitting altogether, because at that point I'd already been competing for 10 years yeah. and, you know, been on international teams, you know, and, and had been able to accomplish a lot that I felt, you know, I'm very proud of and happy to have done. Um, and so I was already thinking about hanging it up. Um, and then I'd gotten ill, um, as a, as part of the, uh, USA weightlifting, uh, talent identification and development program. And they have a, like a bit of a partnership with USA powerlifting. And, uh, so I got contacted to make the switch to weightlifting and being an Olympian is from as long as I can remember has been a dream of mine. Um, I've always loved the Olympics since I was a really young kid and, and I, you know, I watch it almost 24 seven, you know, when, when it's the, the Olympics time. And I was like, but I, you know, I always thought like, Oh, it's too far gone. I, I started too late, you know, as, as I was a power lifter and I was like, well, if, if USA weightlifting sees some potential in me, you know, why not? So I figured, and I, like I said, I was already kind of considering hanging up powerlifting at that point. So I said, why not? Let's, let's do it. And, you know, so they set me up with, uh, with a coach and I've been, uh, blessed to have worked with Tim swords here in the, in the Houston area, who of course is, uh, Sarah Robles coach and he's an Olympic team coach and he's been on the sport for, I don't know, three decades or more. And, uh, and so yeah, the rest is history. So what were some of the challenges that you experienced moving over from powerlifting to weightlifting? Were there, were there any, or what have you kind of learned and adapted that, what have you taken from powerlifting and used to your advantage in weightlifting? Yeah, there was definitely uh, plenty of challenges. Uh, it's just so different. You would think <laughs> at the end of the, at the end of the day, right, it's picking up a barbell, yep. uh, but it is very different. Uh, believe it or not. So of course I'm not, I, I, there wasn't as many mobility issues as one would think people kind of think of powerlifters as being muscle bound tight individuals but of course you know the depth standards in the usa powerlifting and ipf are incredibly strict so squatting well below parallel was something that i've always trained and uh, i always try to maintain myself as a bit more of an athletic powerlifter absolutely so although i didn't have all of the mobility that's necessary to compete at weightlifting in a high level to begin with uh, it wasn't bad. Yeah. I, I but you it, can tell that from like me watching your videos. I could tell that when you first kind of started getting into it, I was like, this dude doesn't move like a true on, like some of the power lifters that you'll typically see and think of, but you definitely do move more just like an athlete does. Like if you take like a high school football player, when they start out, yeah, they can clean and it doesn't look great, but it's going to improve pretty quickly because they're still an athlete. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, the mobility still was a little bit of a challenge. Uh, but I would say the biggest challenge was, of course, the overhead position in the snatch, mm -hmm. not necessarily from a mobility perspective, uh, but maybe more so from a stability perspective and from, I guess, just like a neuromuscular perspective, because right as a powerlifter, the barbell was very rarely over my head. Um, yeah. I would do some overhead press from, you know, a bit of just like a, a bodybuilding perspective or, um, you know, just kind of like an auxiliary lift, but, um, you know, especially with that wide of a grip. So learning that was a big challenge and, and just how different, you know, you think, oh, a clean is just a jumpy deadlift. Uh, <laughs> it, it's definitely not. It's a completely different movement. So having to unlearn a bit of things, especially the positioning, uh, you know, with the, and the posture, that was the biggest thing, yeah. you know, the positioning over the bar for the clean and the snatch and the posture, because posture isn't, you know, you don't posture isn't a big deal in weight and powerlifting when you're deadlifting. Yeah. And of course, posture is so, uh, so vital in, in weightlifting and having, you know, good bar path in the lift. What, uh, do you feel like you had anything that transferred over from powerlifting to weightlifting that gave you an advantage of people who maybe start in just weightlifting? Oh yeah. Uh, just the, the amount of strength reserve, uh, that I obviously had, uh, just had a massive, massive, uh, benefit mm -hmm. because what I was able to do to start is 
not focus on building strength like so many people have to do. And so I could devote all the time and resources to learning the movement and practicing the movements. Uh, and I think that's what allowed me to like just really take off and hit the ground running from the start uh, because I was able to practice so much and the weights were so light. You know, if you're talking about a, you know, a relative max, um, you know, the, the weights that I was doing on the snatch and clean and jerk were so light compared to the loads that I was used to lifting Yeah, that recovery wasn't an issue. <laughs> that's, uh, so, I mean, that's a great, that's a great way to put it. I've never actually, I don't know if I've ever really thought it, I have in a way thought it that way, but the way you just worded that, it really strikes me a little bit different. I, I really, yeah. Like and, and honestly, the biggest carryover that I still see, of course, is being, I was bench was my best lift. So I always had, you know, I'm built, I've kind of got the, uh, the presser build, right. The little bit shorter limbs, longer torso, Mm -hmm. you know, that you typically see with good weightlifters, but you know, that's what helped me in the bench. And so I had tons of upper body strength. And to this day, uh, I'll be hitting three years in weightlifting, uh, in June, I've only missed two jerks. Uh, and one of them being just like, I, the Clark equivalent of, of a jerk where I just <laughs> right, gave right, up right. on it. And the other was uh, trying to make a technical change where I just kind of like over cued something and sent the bar way behind me. Uh-huh. And those are the only two jerks that I've ever missed uh, to this point. Oh, wow. That's a, that's an interesting stat to have in the time that you weightlifted. That's a, that's a cool stat, man. Yeah. And so having that, having just the amount of upper body development, uh, I mean, still basically it's like, if I can clean it, I, I know I can jerk it. The clean is my limiting factor and making yeah. sure that I, I am able to rack it in. That's my limiting point. Right. When it's, and it's probably not a front squat strength though, either. So you, cause you talked about that strength deficit. So obviously your training is like technique, 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 technique. Um, mm-hmm. it's definitely a different approach that a lot of people don't have. Would, if you were now, I don't know, what do you do for work? It's kind of a completely off the random cuff question. I mean, are you a coach of some sort or are you, do you work in like the business world? No, no, I, I work in the business world. Uh, I work for for one of the major oil and gas companies here in Houston. Uh, everybody um, in Texas does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I work in the oil and gas industry. Uh, I started in a um, in the pipeline control center. Yeah. Um, which is shift work, and that was very, very difficult for training. Yeah. Uh, because we would work twelve hour shifts, three thirty to three thirty, and alternate between night shifts and day shifts. Yeah. So, uh, very tough on training, but now, uh, I'm a, a natural gas scheduler in the, the commercial, the supply and trading sphere and, uh, schedule natural gas pipelines in the, um, Chicago and Detroit metro areas. Okay. Well, if you were, so that kind of leads me to the question here as I was trying to figure this out. If you were a coach and someone came to you and sorry, I'm going to give you three different scenarios. Somebody says, I don't know if I want to do weightlifting or powerlifting. Well, how should I pick one? Or if they are a power lifter coming to a weightlifter, what would you say they need to work on? Or what would they, what would you do different for that? Or if they're a weightlifter thinking about powerlifting. So they're kind of three different scenarios. You talk me through each one of those. How would you maybe give some recommendations to somebody who's in each of those shoes from your experiences? Okay. Yeah. So um, if there's somebody that's trying to decide between the two sports, I would tell you to think about this. Uh, what are your goals? Uh, how much time are you willing to invest? And, um, I guess, you know, if, if there's any other like physique goals or anything like that. And the reason I would say that is because, uh, some people are perfectly fine with just competing and, uh, improving their best numbers and their best self, uh, versus others are like more (laughs) driven by, competing on a high level and making national and international teams and the, and the like. And, uh, I would definitely say that, you know, weightlifting is a much higher, uh, time and commitment. Um, and so if you're just wanting to be a little bit more of a casual lifter or a competitor, then I think powerlifting allows that. Um, and of course you can, you can approach weightlifting with the casual mindset as well. But, um, I think if you're wanting to compete at a high level, the amount of commitment that it takes to compete at weightlifting at a high level is much higher than powerlifting. Okay. Um, if so, and then from the powerlifter converting to weightlifting, I would say, um, just like how I approached it and how 
coach Tim Swords had me do it is it's distinguishing the mindset between training and practice. It's practicing much like a, a maybe a, a golfer would practice his golf swing, a tennis player is practicing the tennis swing, or uh, like you would maybe have like a musician, the way they practice and go over the movements. Um, that's how I would approach it because at the beginning, you know, you might not feel like you get an incredible workout just because they will probably have a strength reserve as well. Okay. And you might feel like, man, these things are just so easy and they're light. But it's it's changing the mindset from training, from physical training to practice, uh, and then also just really focusing on posture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then tips from a weightlifter to a powerlifter. Um, the main thing that I would say is, you, so typically, like if you, at least it, it would very much depend on the level of weightlifter that they were. But um, typically, weightlifters don't have uh, much upper body strength and development and so i would say bench 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 in the frequency and then because uh, they're probably going to have pretty good squats already and they're probably going to have pretty decent pulls and so um i guess the main thing i would say is just really focus on the the upper body development and um that's just kind of attack it with that same mindset that you did with weightlifting in terms of the the high frequency high volume approach Awesome, man. I, I, that, that is that was perfect. actually perfect for what I was trying to see what you come up with. And I couldn't expect anything different from those. Those you know, That's a three-headed question there. Uh, tell me a little bit more about, like, what are your best weightlifting numbers and kind of how has your weightlifting training evolved? Obviously, as you've grown to now be more mobile and more experienced with the lifts, you know, is it still the technique side of things? Or are you guys, you know, have you switched things up, switched gears in the past six months to a year, et cetera? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the main thing that how my, how my training has really changed. Okay. So wait, sorry, let me, let me backtrack. So my best, uh, my best clean and jerk has been uh, 183, which I believe is 403 pounds. Right over four. Yep. Yep. And then, um, that is that was just a training lift. My best in competition is 178, I believe, and I'm not sure of the pounds on that. Uh, and then snatch, my best uh, training snatch has been a 150, so I think that's 333. Yep. And then uh, in competition is 147, which is just a little bit below 130, uh, 333. And um, but in terms of how my training is evolved. Uh, of course, right at the beginning, the strength reserve was such a big thing, uh, like I touched on earlier, where I could just practice, practice, practice. And initially, it wasn't so much a focus on training volume as it much as it was just learning the technique, being comfortable with the movement. So honestly, we worked to max a lot of time for a you know a long time, yeah. Where we just we'd come in for the day, work up to a max snatch, work up to a max clean and jerk, and uh, I progressed pretty well like that for a while. Um, I competed in my first meet just eight weeks after training Oh wow! and I, I think I hit a 107 snatch and a 156 clean and jerk. That's ridiculous. You're ridiculous <laughs> this is, this is getting out of hand. Um, now, were and you, then, now what was your frequency of maxing every day at the point? Um, it was usually, uh, three to four days a week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just within the first couple of months. And then, um, uh, Tim sports made a program kind of around my shift work schedule yeah. and uh, it was uh, a very high. Yeah. It was a, a very interesting program. Uh, the frequency was high and um, you know, had a good combination of uh, squatting and pulling and um, you know, powers and the like, and also going heavy still. And so I was able to I hit I snatched 300 for the first time, um, I think after four and a half months of training. Wow. And then just kind of, kind of went from there. And so, but in terms of how things have changed, uh, one of the biggest challenges was when the new weight classes came out last year, Uh uh, being such an undersized, super heavyweight, um, I figured I would go ahead and try to make the cut down to the 109 class. Because uh, I, I'm competing in this sport with aspirations of, of making international teams. Um, and so that's that's the mindset that I have. And I've got a long way to go. And 
uh, it's definitely stacked classes that I'm in, but um, that's that's my mindset and that's what I train for every day. So I went ahead and, and made the the cut down to 109 from 128, uh, which is about 40 pounds. Yeah, that's a big and, cut. Uh, yeah, so I made that over the course of about a year and a half, and that strength reserve that I had completely <laughs> gone. Oh man. And, and I, I had the hardest time, especially like this past summer, uh, mentally just basically being so new to the sport and plateauing so quickly. Right. And, you know, so many people would be like, oh, yeah, but you've, you know, you've cut, you've cut so much weight, you know, at that point you cut 20 or 30 pounds already. And I'm like, yeah, but the, the competitor me, the number's not going up regardless of the excuse or the circumstances. Yep. Uh, it's about the, the way the number on the bar. And, um, so that was, that's been a really tough process has been this, this weight cut and the, the changes in my body, the changes in my response to training. And so here recently, you know, of course my programming was very, very specific, lots of clean and jerking, snatching, uh, with high intensity squats. Okay. And so my strength, I, I wasn't getting really strength training in, it was, you know, just practicing the lift so my strength just continued to drop for the entire time that i've been weightlifting yeah. and although i've improved made leaps and bounds uh improvements in the technical you know and in the lifts my strength just continue to drop and i think i'm getting to the point now where i'm gonna have to start or and i've gotten to this point where i have been focusing on strength again mm -hmm. and um i've been really seeing that making a huge huge uh, impact and finally starting to see improvements again because I, I, I had probably had, uh, you know, about 20 kilos drop on the lifts. Maybe not quite 20, maybe 10, uh, 10 on the snatch and 10 on the clean and jerk. But, I, you know, I'd, I had lost like 50 kilos on the back and front squat. Oh, gosh. Uh, I understand that, it, that difficulty. Now, so you didn't, you didn't really run into any... any I mean, the weight cut's something different. Have you really run into any major injuries along your career? Uh, so far, um, so far I haven't had any major injuries, you know, nothing that's required surgery, awesome. um, in powerlifting or weightlifting. Um, of course, tons of strains, like when I was powerlifting pec strains all the time. Um, now as a weightlifter, um, I've been pretty dang healthy. Um, I've had a few wrist sprains and that's kind of something I'm dealing with now. Uh, my wrist has been bugging me on my, my, my left wrist. And then there was a, a period there, of course, when I'd I was cutting this weight and recovery was pretty hard. I was in a deficit for a year and a half yeah. and uh, I was having a little bit of trouble keeping my back healthy. Um, and so I had a couple of strains like in, in January I had competed at a meet and uh, kind of strained something uh, and my second clean and jerk. And then again, a few months later, but since then, uh, you know, I've been pretty healthy. Like I said, aside from this wrist and it's, it's not a, it's not a huge deal. It doesn't feel great, but you know, I was able to snatch, you know, 95% yesterday and, and it felt fine. Oh, okay. So it's really not, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um, nothing that's debilitating. There you go. Um, what, um, so you mentioned competing in January, stuff like that. How frequent did you compete in powerlifting on a yearly basis versus what are you competing now in weightlifting on a yearly basis? Yeah. So in powerlifting, I had a pretty consistent schedule, which was, uh, collegiate nationals in April. Um, which, you know, I powerlifted at the university of Texas. And, uh, so it was basically compete at collegiate nationals that would always qualify me for the world team. I would compete at worlds in, uh, September. Mm -hmm. And then I would usually compete not again until March at the Arnold. So it was kind of like a March, April, and then September. And then that would be it. Uh, and then as I was transitioned to weightlifting, I was um, competing a little more often at first, maybe every three months or so. Okay. Um, and here lately, uh, I've decided to just kind of like take a bit of an off season to where I can really just focus on building my strength back up. Yeah. Um, and then also kind of a mental break because I, uh, I'm so passionate about this and I invest so much in my life and so much uh, energy into this. And like I said, we're just with the struggles that I faced with this weight cut. I needed like a bit of a break mentally. Mm -hmm. And that break comes of the way of, you know, if I've, if I've got a meet coming up, 
there's so much more emphasis on the performance of day-to-day training. Yeah. And so it's been kind of nice not to have a, uh, you know, a meet in the near, you know, in the near future mm-hmm. to where I can just train and, and my training has been so much better. Uh, you know, mentally it's been so much better. And so, um, it's been kind of nice having an extended break from competing. My last meet was in September and, um, at the AO three Okay. and my next meet will probably be, um, at the AO2 at the end of June. Oh, awesome, man. I'll have to make sure. Uh, I think I'm going to have to like take, I heard, I don't know what the schedule is for that, but I mean, it's in Winston-Salem. It's probably like an hour and a half from my gym. Um, oh, nice. So I'm probably either going to be, I don't know if I'm going to lift yet, but I'll probably be, I either might sign up and lift just for shits and giggles. I might, because I haven't been training weightlifting specific. I've been more specific to my Highland Games training. And I just jump in weightlifting meets for fun from time to time. But um, I either might compete uh, since it'd be close. I might, I'll probably end up being a volunteering, coaching, all the above. Uh, definitely, actually, have to get up and meet in person, man. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what their schedule is going to be at. I heard a rumor that they're like they're going to possibly do all the adults throughout the week, hmm. doing that for and have the junior nationals on the tail end. Which I honestly, different tangent. I think they need to split the two events. I get why they do the both, but. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, man, man, that's awesome to, to have the break. And I, I completely understand and sympathize with that. And that kind of actually answers kind of my next question I had for you was what does this year look far, like for you? So aside from AO2, anything else kind of on the, on the back burner on the, on the plans there, would that be, I guess, setting you up for maybe AO finals at the end of the year? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of the plan. Uh, I'm thinking I, you know, I might do a local meet. That's just basically a heavy training session. Uh, if, if somebody's hosting one here in the Houston area sometime between now and June, yeah, uh, maybe two of them. Um, uh, but the, in terms of like the on the regional or the national stage, uh, I think the game plan is going to be the uh, AO2 in June and then yeah, maybe the AO finals in December. Awesome, man. Um, then let's look at maybe a little bit bigger picture. Mm-hmm. What about maybe your next – Obviously, we have to say quad since you're weightlifting now. What's your next quad looking like? You got, I mean, you keep mentioning Olympics. Mm-hmm. Is that pretty much the focus, the goal? You got anything else in mind? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that that's that's the goal. Um, you know, I, I like you had you had said about coming from such a high level in sport. Why would I leave that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, that has been a huge that's been a huge piece of humble pie. <laughs> uh, to be kind of the top in the sport, being able, you know, making international teams every year uh, and setting records and stuff to being pretty, uh, pretty, you know, maybe a little above average, but definitely not near the, the caliber that I hope to be. So, yeah, to answer your question, uh, you know, that that's the goal. That's the goal. That's the, that's the whole reason I switched. I, I understand it is a lofty goal. And I'm very, I'm very real about the, uh, the possibility or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, that's, that's what my eyes are set on. And, um, again, like that's me at the competitor and me and where I was in the sport of powerlifting. Uh, that's, that's most definitely the goal. And, and I think looking into the next quad, you know, I'm going to continue to push and push until kind of, I find out if, if, uh, it's not in the cards for me mm-hmm. and, Pretty much as soon as I find that out, and then I'll, I'll probably hang it up. I hear you. Awesome, man. Well, I absolutely respect that. And um, actually, I'm going to kind of get towards wrapping it up. And I normally ask a question, but you've done pretty good about answering the question. I typically always ask people, and that is, what would you do different back then with what you know now? We kind of mm-hmm. kind of touched on that already. So I want to ask a little bit different question that's kind of for fun. Okay. That is, describe the emotion of, and I'm hoping they did it, when you won some of these world championships – how freaking cool is it if they play in the national anthem and you won? Oh yeah, man. I, I, I'll never forget any of those moments. Uh, some of the most special and, and emotional moments, uh, in, in my life, uh, especially that, that very first one, uh, sure. just being, you know, still being a little bit naive to, to that world <laughs> of international strength sports, but, uh, you know, showing up at the first world championships, right. And we're all decked out and, you know, their our respective countries' gear, and to show up and um, be able to win on my first world championship, and yeah, hold the nation's flag over my head, and they play the you know the national anthem. Uh, that's that's a feeling that that for sure never got old. Yeah. Um, 
I won four world championships, so I got to experience that four times. Uh, and it's something that I'll probably never stop chasing. For sure. Uh, and that's definitely something that I'm that I'm chasing again, just a, a little bit of a different route. I always said, unfortunately, I got good at the wrong sport when I was powerlifting <laughs> because uh, uh, being an Olympian, like I said earlier, was was always such a dream of mine. So that first time, I felt like an Olympian, and it was something that was super special. Hell yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, definitely, you know, in the back burner, in the back of my head, something I want to try to somehow do some way in something. I don't, I haven't mm-hmm. figured that out yet. That's for damn sure. But, um, man, that's this has been awesome. I'm like, I literally tell people, I, I, it's selfish. I get to do this selfishly for me to have these awesome conversations, and people are lucky to get to listen in. Is kind of the way I put it because I sit here. And I don't have a a camera up, but I'm sitting here smiling at my computer screen the whole time because I thoroughly enjoy this. I want to thank you for that. So let's move into the lightning round, and we'll wrap it up. Um, Let you put some plugs in. And I always have to throw these in. The first podcast I was part of, we did these. and A couple others I listened to do these, and I love them because they're so different than what we've talked about. So the first one is favorite food or restaurant. Oh, it's that's that's honestly that's pretty easy. It's got to be pizza. Yeah. I feel like I could eat. I feel like I could eat pizza almost almost every day of my life. All right. Well, hey, you're in you're in Houston, not terribly far. Mm-hmm. If you ever happen to end up in Memphis, Tennessee, mm-hmm. my brother slash family we own and run pizza restaurants in Memphis, Tennessee. It's called Sides Best Pizza in Town. You'll never forget it now. Um, oh. oh, very nice. But if you're ever in Memphis, hit them up. Hit me up. We'll try to hook you up with a pizza somehow. Um, it's di- it's different. It's a different style, so you have to kind of experience it for itself, man. Yeah, that would be awesome. And I also have the world's worst sweet tooth. I love anything okay. baked, anything sweet. Oh, that's that's my thing. So uh, I uh, I definitely didn't get to be this thick by chance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not as I'm not the biggest guy in the world. I'm definitely a bigger guy. I love I love food. I'm such a food guy. Um, doesn't matter what it is. I pretty much like it. So I love asking that question. And I'm also oh side tangent, and I'm I don't know. I'm plugging somebody else's stuff. I don't care. <laughs> Do you know of Dan McKim at all? Uh, I do not. Do not. Okay, so Dan was a world champion Highland Games thrower, uh, phenomenal strength athlete, just freakishly large dude. But he wrote a book. I know you'll probably appreciate it. It's called uh, Heavy Confessions. It's a small little book. It's all about guys of girth. Um, nice. So being somebody over 225 pounds, you'll probably relate. Uh, yeah. And it's 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 comedy, and it's great. It's a great book that kind of yeah. relates to just stories of large dudes. No, know, know your girth, know your worth. There you go. Uh, there's your, there's my quote for this episode right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm a huge craft beer fan. If I had to ask you, oh. what's your favorite beer? I am also a huge craft beer man. Um, I I love it. I'm on Untapped all the time. Oh. You can follow me on Untapped at Pre- yeah at Preston Turner, just like uh, the Insta handle. Okay. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, my favorites, uh, kind of on both ends of the, of the spectrum. I love just full flavored brews. Um, you know, I love the IPAs, uh, particularly the hazy IPAs. Uh, and then I love stouts and porters. Uh, if I had to pick a favorite, uh, there's a brewery here in, uh, in Houston called Spindle Tap. Mm-hmm. And they have a uh, Houston Haze. It's a hazy IPA. It's amazing. Um, or there's a brewery here called eighth wonder and they have a, uh, Vietnamese coffee porter called rocket fuel. And I just love it. It's amazing, especially on nitro. Awesome, man. That's some, you have a, I literally just added you on untapped. Um, nice. <laughs> but, uh, it's awesome to get, I, I love collecting ideas, talking craft beer with people. Um, and, and it's cool that your go-tos are in Houston. Uh, mine are a little bit all over, but there's, I definitely have my favorites here in Charlotte. And we'll have to dig some up. Maybe if uh, AO2 works out, out somehow, some way, we'll go grab a beer or something like that. Um, Heck yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, all right, so this is a little different. What's your favorite lift to perform? Favorite lift to perform? Uh, it's got to be the snatch. Yeah. Um, there's just something that you just feel, especially you know when when you posture and the timing and everything is just right. Uh, it just the way it just flies over your head, and if you're just feeling quick and snappy that day, uh, there's just something about the sound of a snatch and just hitting it just right that's incredibly gratifying. And I, I feel I feel really feel really athletic and explosive doing snatches. So I, I, that's that's got to be my favorite. Awesome. I was I was I was expecting a bench there. I was thinking bench was going to come back. You know, I was really good at the bench, uh, <laughs> but I can't say I necessarily uh, and you know 
loved it. Uh-huh. Uh, I definitely think in terms of powerlifting, I, I definitely enjoyed squat the most. Okay. And uh, you kind of hinted at it. I'm wondering if you're going to say the same thing. But if I have to ask you your favorite place you have traveled for a competition, where would that be? Or, and you kind of mentioned your first competition at that first world championship was your, your favorite competition, I guess, you've done, if I would say that correctly. What's been your favorite place you've traveled to? Yeah, so uh, I would say favorite place I've traveled to uh, for a competition was the uh, the Pan Am Championships. Mm-hmm. I'm up for powerlifting, and it was at uh, the St. Saint- Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, it was just like right on the beach in this awesome resort, uh, and it was it was amazing. I, I can't necessarily say that that was my favorite meet, okay. but in terms of favorite place, uh, it was fun because I basically hopped off the podium, put my medal down to the beach, and jumped in the water, and it was amazing. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, um, so that'll pretty much wrap it up. Where uh, can people find you if they're trying to find you on you know, social media? If you want them to look up some specific information, anything like that, you plug away. It's, it's kind of your time to shine on that, man. Yeah. Um, basically, I'm the most active on Instagram. Uh, I think that's you know per the course of most strength athletes these days. Yeah. But uh, I basically use it as my training log. So I usually do uh, just kind of some highlights from most sessions. Um, but you can find that at, at Presson, as in like the lift, Presson Turner. Um, D-R-E-S-S-I-N Turner. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's exactly right. Um, you know, don't have a, I do have a YouTube channel, but don't do too much with it. Um, and I think that's like at P Turner two, six, four. Okay. Uh, but other than that, yeah. And then of course, yeah. If you're on untapped, if you're a fellow craft brew, uh, lover, I'd love to connect there on untapped and it's the same, uh, at Presson Turner. Awesome. Um, in terms of other plugs, uh, I've got a, a really cool sponsor, Load Strength Sports, mm-hmm. um, and you know they're they're a, they're a smaller, newer company, and that really has some some really nice gear in terms of they've got a variety of different belts and sleeves and wraps for different sports. So, um, you know, I always appreciate if you want to support me, um, then you can go and head over there and pick up a belt. I really like their belt. Awesome, I appreciate it, man. Well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Preston, I really appreciate your time, man, especially here in an evening time after work, all that jazz. Uh, yeah. This was great. I, I really thoroughly enjoyed this. I really, really, really do appreciate the time. When I do put this episode out, put out these seasons, uh, I'll let you know. I'll share it with you and tag you and all this stuff. And and uh, we may have to have you on again, uh, maybe talk a little bit more weightlifting, maybe get one in person, something like that, down the road, man. Yeah, yeah, I would love that, man. Thank you so much for reaching out. Uh, that means a whole lot that, you know, somebody kind of takes notice of, uh, of the effort that I put in and, uh, really, you know, as a podcast nerd, a big podcast buff, um, you know, I really enjoy any chance I can to, to kind of talk training and talk, uh, nutrition and, and, and all alike. Uh, so I really appreciate you having me on and, and us getting to have this conversation. It was a really good time. Thanks brother. And, uh, I'll keep following you along and catch up with you soon. Yeah. Appreciate it. Later. Later.